Okay, we're in Lesson 37. We're looking at the third part of the Proverbs that were compiled by Hezekiah's scribes. So again, these are Proverbs written by Solomon, but they were added to the book of Proverbs by Hezekiah's scribes. Remember, that is exactly what the Scripture says, that these Proverbs were added by Hezekiah's scribes. So we're going to progress right on through. We're in chapter 26. We're going to look at verse 18. And we're going to go all the way through chapter 27, verse 11 today. And so what we're going to focus on, first of all, the first section here is verses 18 through 25, and it has to do with speech. So we're going to talk about different aspects of speech that Solomon has written Proverbs for giving us wisdom concerning the use of your mouth. Let's first of all look at verses 18 through 19. And notice what it says here. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. It is, a, it is dangerous to deceive someone as a joke. It is dangerous to deceive someone as a joke. To be deceptive with someone, can I be honest with you, sometimes... How many of you like pulling jokes on people? Just being honest. Okay. All right. Everybody likes pulling jokes on people. Well, you guys know that when you pull a joke, there is an element of risk with it, isn't it? Because you don't know how the person you're pulling the joke on is going to respond. Is that not correct? And sometimes, because if you pull a joke on them and they're having a bad day, what happens to your joke? Yeah, it goes sour. What happens to their attitude towards you? It goes sour too, doesn't it? And this is the point that Solomon is making here. You and I need to be careful about joking at the expense of other people because it can be destructive. Let me explain to you. I'll give you an illustration of someone who was in my first church. Uh, was a great guy. He loved the joke. But here was the problem he had. He would always joke at the expense of other people. And here's the thing. When he joked at the expense of other people, he would do it in front of other people. So, like, he would put people down through a joke, and then everybody would laugh, including the person who was the object of the joke would laugh. Because, but you know you know how their laugh is. It's kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, you know. You know, they're laughing because everybody else is laughing. But on the inside, what's going on on the inside of that person? What's that? Yeah, resentment, anger. In fact, I was with another gentleman in that church, and that gentleman told me, literally, because he had been the object of some jokes, said that he wished that that other guy was dead. And you say, that's pretty extreme. Well, understand something. I knew what the other guy had been going through. And to have somebody coming and continually making jokes at you, using you as a as joke, that was like pouring salt in the problems that guy was facing already. And so to him, he began to hate that individual who was joking about it. And here, here's the problem. I even would go to the individual who would joke, and I would say to them, 
You know what? You need to quit joking at the expense of other people. What? They can't take a joke? I said, there's a time for joking, and then there's a time to not joke. And I said, you've got folks, and it wasn't just one individual, there were other individuals who literally hated that individual. And he thought he was just having a good time. See, that's the point of the, point of the proverb. It is dangerous to deceive someone as a joke. It's, you, you know what? When you joke, and we're all about fun, but you've got to have some wisdom as to what? When to do a joke. Everybody understand me? You've got to have wisdom to know when to do a joke. So, if, if, you know, if your friend's fluffy cat, Fido, whatever, dies, and they love them, you don't go over there and make cat jokes. That's not being sensitive, is it? And then you're wondering why your friend got an attitude towards you. See, so it, it, we've got it's dangerous. So you got to watch what you've got to watch the joking. Got to watch the joking. All right, let's look at the issue now. Verse twenty. Another real issue. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. Talebearer, another word for that would be a slanderer or a gossip. So here's the issue of gossip. Here's the point. Restricting gossip prevents quarrels. Restricting gossip prevents quarrels. You know, in order for, or in order for there to be fire, you've got to have something to be consumed. You understand? There's got to be some sort of source of fuel there for a fire to exist. Correct? The point is, for strife to exist in a church, there's got to be fuel for that. Now, where does fuel for strife in a church usually come from? Yeah, gossip. Usually from other folks talking to each other. I mean, and that's reality here. Can I be honest with you? I want you to think back. How many of you have been involved in a church where there has been some sort of conflict at some point? Raise your hand. Let's be honest, everybody. Okay, now look around, everybody. Everybody here has been involved in a church that has had some sort of conflict. Okay. I want you to think back to that conflict for a moment when you were in that church. How did that conflict spread? Person to person is what Marilyn said. What I, what I hear over here. Mouth, by the word of mouth. See, what happens is, 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 is it usually starts out small. It usually starts out small. It usually starts out with one person offending another person. So I'll go back to my favorite example here, Bruce and I. And here's Bruce and I. And Bruce and I, listen, let me be honest with you. When you've got human beings, let's stop for a moment. Let's just think for a moment. When you've got human beings, are relationships between two human beings always going to be perfect? Is it a possibility when you've got two human beings with their two unique personalities that they're going to, in some way, rub each other wrong? Are they going to do something to irritate each other? They're going to hurt each other. So here's Bruce and I. We get into a conflict. It, couldn't, it could be just, I looked at Bruce wrong. He mistook me. And he gets offended at me. Now, here's what happens, because this is our natural tendency. I go talk to Tom. You won't believe that Bruce guy. All I did was look at him. Look at him. You know, 
And Bruce goes and talks to Rod. What's up with George, man? He's giving me like the evil eye. You know? And, and, and what is just, now does it stay there? By next week, who knows what's going on? Yeah, because the unofficial prayer chain took over. Yes, it's gotten a little bit juicier. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know, so anyhow, the point is, what happens then? It becomes no longer a conflict between Bruce and I. It's now a conflict between who? Yeah, between everybody. Those who support Bruce versus those who support George. And then there's a third group, those who couldn't care. And everybody's mad at them because they don't care. Isn't that true? That's a church fight, isn't it? Now, here's my point. When you restrict gossip, you take away the fuel of strife in a church. You take, a, you take away the fuel of strife in a relationship. You take away the fuel of strife in family. Because, for instance, we're talking about church. Some of you, you know, we live, in, we, live in, we live in central PA, the western part of central PA here. And here we are. Folks, we have a lot of our clans around us here and everything. And usually in a family, just like with a church, do, do, do we get along harmoniously with everybody? There's usually something that happens in families. What? Strife. People rubbing each other wrong. And here's what happens. Let's say Bruce and I are brothers. We get into the conflict now. So Bruce calls Sister Susie. Tell Sister Susie. I call Betty Jean. Tell her. And then there's a big whatever. The whole extended clan now is lined up either with who? Either with Bruce or me because of what? Mouth. So here we are at a family reunion, and some of you have seen this, where there's one group over here, one group over here, third group in the middle says, I don't care, I'm, I'm in the middle, you know. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And, and the strife just goes on. Now, here's the point. You've got to restrict the gossip. Now, you say, how do you do that, George? It's wonderful that the Word of God tells us this point of wisdom. We understand it. How do we restrict it? Well, can I be honest with you? You're not going to change the person who gossips. You've got to change the person who listens. See, because the, you have to understand something. Gossip is a sin habit. It's just like a, it's an addiction. It might as well be a heroin addict. I'll just be honest with you. Instead of heroin that they desire, they desire news. Point I should have is to teach the reps to know when to say, I'm sorry, that doesn't involve me. And if I'm not part of the solution or part of the problem, I really don't want to know. That's that's how we approach it. If I'm not part of the solution, well you know you gotta pray for them. No, 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 no. I mean if I'm not part of the physical solution, me go do something. Or if I'm not part of the problem, I don't need to hear it. But here's the problem, though. Can I be honest? Even as I say that, and people are saying, yeah, that sounds really good, George. Is it going to deal with it? No. Can I tell you why? We want to know. 
Isn't that right? Let's be honest. Let's, let's look at the darkness of our souls here for a moment. Let's be honest. The reason why... See, we can blame it on Loose Lips Lucy. But it ain't Loose Lips Lucy. It's Fast Ears Freddy. Do you understand? It's the guy who's listening. Oh, ooh, got something about Bruce? Let me know. It's good for us to say, yeah, that sounds good, George. I'll do that the next time. But the problem is we've got a greater force within us. It's called our flesh. Bent towards sin. Ooh, you got a nice piece of juice gossip on tongue, man? Tell me. You saw Mabel doing what? You know? Where was Rod's truck parked? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see my point? See, here's the point, though. But the Scripture, the wisdom is this. If you're going to stop strife in the church, you've got to what? Restrict the gossip. You've got to restrict the gossip. Okay, let's go on. Look at the issue of quarrels. Verse 21. As charcoal to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Here's the point. Quarrelsome people start fights. How many of you met people like that? They just, I mean, they got to have a problem going on. they got to be involved in some kind of fight. And if there isn't a fight, they what? Start one. Here's the point the Proverbs is making. Stay away from that kind of person. Identify that person. Flag that person in your mind. Because the fact is, just like charcoal to a fire, or wood to a fire, so is a contentious man to strife. I mean, if you've got a contentious man there, you've got his nature is contention. He just wants to fight. He wants to fuss. And it sounds like a business meeting what we're describing here, isn't it? You know, you've got some folks who are just ready to just... It, they, they may not even know what's going on. They just want to fight. And there are people like that. And here's the whole point. It says that quarrelsome people start fights. Now, look here in verse 22. We're going to get back to the issue of gossip. And again, the issue of this is not the person who gossips. It's the person who listens. Listen to what it says here. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. And they go down into the inmost body. So, here's what it's saying. The words of a gossip are like, okay, tasty trifles. What would that be like? Okay. That would be like a pot of gold, ladies. Box of chocolate. You know, and, and, and they're just, you just one little tidbit at a time. You know how it is? You, your, your, your honey buys you that box and you try to keep it away from the kids so that when you get that sugar cocoa craving going on there, you go into the pantry and you get one out and it's just a little bit that you need just at that time. Now, some of you can't control yourself and it's gone all at one time. But, you know, the point is, is that it's that little piece. That's what gossip is. So, here's the point. The point is this. Gossip is appealing and eagerly, notice the word, the key word there is eagerly swallowed. If you want to put a circle around that word, eagerly Here's the point I want you to see. 
Proverbs is telling us here, the issue with gossip is who? Is it the gossip? No, the issue with gossip is the person who's listening. Because they're like, oh, tell me more. Isn't it true? You've met folks like that, haven't you? Tell me more. I've got to know. I've got to know. Need to know. Need to know. And, and you know what? We describe the gossip like a heroin addict. Can I be honest with you? The person who listens can be like that too, isn't it? All right, let's go on. Deceptive words now. Look at verse 23. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Here's the point. Fervent and zealous speech may conceal evil plans. Hey, be careful. This is, this is political season now, isn't it? Here's the point. This is, this is political season. And so you'll hear a lot of people who are fervent and they're zealous and they're just, they're talking up a storm. But you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. Because a lot of times the talk may cover some in actual intentions. And you may not like the actual intentions. It doesn't matter what part. You understand? That's the whole point of what we're talking about here. Let's take an individual. You've got somebody that they're fervent, they're zealous, but they may be covering up stuff on the inside. You've got to be careful. That's the whole point here. Now look at the issue of hypocritical speech. Look at verse 24 through 25. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Here's the point. Hypocritical words, hypocritical words may hide a wicked heart. Hypocritical words may hide a wicked heart. Remember what I told you? I told you about that one individual that hated that other guy. Here, what was he doing? The other guy was joking in a way that Proverbs says not to joke. That guy, when he was with that guy, he'd be all okay. He might even laugh. <laughs> but what was he doing? Yeah, he's being a hypocrite. Because his veneer, everything seemed okay. But on the inside... And look at how Proverbs describes it. There are seven abominations in the heart. There is some serious evil going on there. That's what, that's what the hypocritical... So, here's the point. And here's the thing you've got to be careful of. Here's what it's saying. Charming words might nearly cover evil thoughts. Charming words might nearly cover evil thoughts. Here's the point I want you to understand, and you're going to see this throughout the Proverbs. Because humanity is thick. What do I mean by that? Humanity has a tendency to be dumb. Why do I say that? Because over and over, throughout not just Proverbs, but especially in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, you and I will be deceived by what? 
words. The Bible describes those deceptive words as being what? Charming. Flattering. In fact, when you go all the way to the last epistle that that uh, Paul wrote that we have, Second Timothy, in the end, he tells Peter, preach the word in season, out of season. And then he says this, for there will be a time when they will heap themselves teachers who will what? Tickle their ears. Now, what's he talking about? That, you know, there'll be a preacher who'll come up and say, oh, I like your ears. Tickle, tickle, tickle. You know, is that what he's talking about? No, no, no. He's talking about that not so much a literal tickling, but it's a figurative illustration of the fact that they're going to be tickled by what? Yeah, tell them what they want to hear. Words. See, so you hear somebody get charming words who doesn't shoot straight with you, but it's, oh, it's just a flatterer. The point is, is that charming words may merely cover evil thoughts. This is the thing. Look, listen, why do you think the Bible says to be so careful about who you choose as your pastor? And guess how we choose our pastors? Let's, let's say I leave here. Let's say I leave here. You guys have a search committee put together, and you, you get the resumes in. They send either MP, now it's MP3 files, I'm sure, or it used to be cassettes when I was looking. Now we're into the more modern age, and who knows what they're doing now, videos or whatever. And so what do we look at when we look at a candidate? We look at his resume, see where he went to school, where did he used to pastor, but we look to focus on one thing only. What do we focus on? So we call him to come, and he'll, he'll preach a sermon. Then we vote. And how do you normally vote on a guy? Yeah, how good was his message? Didn't matter that he brought a sugar stick with him. What's a sugar stick? That's the message that he's preached so many times over, he can preach it with his eyes closed. And it's really good. And he flattered you. Then you get him here, and then you realize, oh my goodness, we got a pill of the hun. Mao Zedong. You know, and the problem is, is what were we looking at? Words. See, hypocritical, charming words may merely cover what? Evil thoughts. Let's go on. The issue now, we're going to move on from speech now. Look at verse 26 and 27 to the issue of retribution. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. Now here's the point I want you to see. Concealed malice will inevitably be known to the assembly. Can I be honest with you? The nature of human beings is we try to cover everything up, especially our inner hearts, but does it usually remain covered up? Eventually, that's the whole point the Proverbs is saying here, especially with the issue of concealed malice, of concealed anger and hatred and evil thoughts and so forth. Eventually, who you are will be what? Revealed. Just give it some time. Give it some time. Who you are, the essence of who you are, will come out because you can only play the role so much. You can only be hypocritical so much. Eventually, your heart will be known. It will be shown. So that's the point there. Next thing I want you to see, attempts to trap or destroy others will eventually turn on the schemer. 
So if you're going to dig a hole, you'll fall into the hole. You're going to get a stone ready to drop on somebody, it's going to roll back on you. That's the whole point that he's saying here. It's the whole issue of retribution. Now, we're getting back to the issue of speech. Look at verse 28. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Okay, here's the point. Deceptive speech brings destruction without regard to those it may hurt. If you're a liar, and all of us lie, but if you are a habitual liar, you are a habitual liar because your focus is totally on who? On yourself. So, the problem with a habitual liar is, is he will say things to protect himself, get himself out of trouble. But he doesn't care less about who? Anybody else around him. You know? The element of truth is that lying is destructive. And it will destroy. And, and it will eventually turn on the one who's lying. It will eventually turn on the one who's lying. Look now at verse 1 of chapter 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring forth. Now, here's the issue of plans. Here's what wisdom says. Presumption about the future is dangerous because the future is uncertain. Now, listen, you are to lay plans. Proverbs will tell you to lay plans, but Proverbs will tell you to be flexible with your plans. This is what the issue is here. You can't presume upon tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You understand what I'm saying? You can't presume upon tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Tomorrow may hold news that you have cancer. Tomorrow may hold news that your company is shutting down in the area and they're trucking it overseas for somebody else to do the work. So you can't presume upon tomorrow. We used to, you know, you used to hear, have you noticed how we go through different phases, especially with the political stuff? Remember 10 years ago, we used to hear one term all the time. It was probably even 20 years ago. Job security. How many of you remember that? We used to talk about job security all the time. Can I ask you something? Have you heard that mentioned anymore now? Did that drop out of the dictionary? No, there is none because you can't presume upon tomorrow anymore because even in this area, you can't presume upon anything. That's the whole point that he's trying to say. Make your plans, but be flexible with your plans because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And listen, what do I mean by that, you don't know what tomorrow holds? Because, like, when we just talked, we talked about jobs, we talked about disease, we talked about finances. A lot of times, that stuff that is what? Out of your control. For the job situation, it may be a couple of suits sitting in an office hundreds of miles away making a decision that you have no clue about, and they say... They don't even know where Kerwinsville is. You know, they don't even know where Clearfield County is. All they know is, it's going to be cheaper to get that over there. And so, there you are. And you made all these plans. Because you thought everything was going to be okay. That's the whole point of Proverbs. Okay, let's look now at the issue of humility. Verse 2. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger 
and not your own lips. Here's the point. Here's the issue. It's best to let other people praise you. It's best to let other people praise you. How many of you like folks who toot their own horn? Look at me. How do you like that? How do you like that? No. But isn't it a whole lot better if Bruce is the one tooting the horn? Look at George. Then that looks a whole lot better. Right? That's the whole point of Proverbs here. Now, Bruce isn't going to do that. Here, look at verse 3. We're going to talk about fools. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Here's the point. The burden, the burden of being provoked by a fool is a heavy one indeed. The burden of being provoked by a fool is a heavy one indeed. Now let's look at the issue of character, verse 4. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Here's the point. Jealousy is more unbearable than anger. Anger usually results because a value system that you hold has been crossed. And so you become angry because of what angry because of what you thought was right or what should have happened didn't happen, so you became angry. Jealousy, though, is even more than that because with jealousy, you become jealous for something or someone. In particular, the Proverbs talking about someone. So, like the picture is like a jealous husband who is jealous for what his wife. Now, look at the issue of reproof. Verses 5 and 6. We're going to plug through these real quick here. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Here's the point I want you to see. Verse 5 tells us this. Direct reproof is better than unexpressed love. Direct reproof. Now, first of all, let me just stop for a moment. How many of you like being rebuked? How many of you like being taken to the woodshed? To be honest with you. How many, how, nobody's raising their hand. But can I be honest with you? If it's done by somebody who cares for you, it's probably more loving than if they just said, Oh, I love you. You know, and did whatever. Because they're, they're concerned about you and changing behavior that they see in you that is destructive. Okay, now look here. Look at the value of rebuke. The value of it is a rebuke in love is better than insincere expressions of affection. A rebuke in love is better than insincere expressions of affection. Now, look at verse 7, character traits. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Here's the point I want you to see. Those who have great needs are more appreciative than those who are satisfied. You know, I saw this illustrated. Lori, Maddie, we get God's World News at our house. And Maddie loves to read God's World News. And there was an article in there, and it showed this lady making these mud cakes in Haiti. Mud cookies. And then the article talked about 
that she then turns around and sells them. It's mud with salt. She then turns around and sells them in the market for people to buy so that they can eat them. Because they're starving down there. They don't have any food. And if you're watching the news, they really are starving down there. And so, to them, um, how many of you would buy a mud cake and eat it? You think that's something kids do out in the yard when it's muddy. There, they're literally eating them. And that's the whole point of the proverb. So for you, if you're stuffed, one more, one more morsel of food would be just enough to make you want to throw up. But to them who have nothing, even that which is bitter becomes sweet. That's the whole point that he's saying there. Okay, look at the issue of security. Verse 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Here's the point. To stray from home, to stray from home is to lose security. To stray from home is to lose security. This is what we try to communicate to our children, isn't it? There's a point here. Look at the issue of advice now. Verse 9. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Here's the point. Advice from a friend is pleasant. Advice from a friend is pleasant. Talking about a friend now again, look at verse 10. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in a day of calamity, Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. How many of you have experienced that? Here's the point of what he's saying is, a friend who is available is better than a relative who is not. A friend who is available is better than a relative who is not. And then finally, look at the issue of teaching. This is our last verse. My son, be wise. Make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Okay, here's the point, and this is, this is a great one. A wise son enables a father to defend himself against his critics. Listen, when people will criticize you, what will they criticize you about, just real quick? What's one of the things they'll criticize you about? Your kids. You're right, Bruce. So a wise son is going to conduct himself so that his father's critics can't say, well, look at his boy. Look at how she's just tramping around town. You know, and that type of attitude. So my point I want you to see is that, I want you to see here is that a wise son will do whatever it takes to deflect criticism off of his father. That's the whole point. All right, let's uh, close our time in prayer and next week we'll get to lesson.